keep on kissing babies and hugging fat girls. Sell out full of suffering, suck attach, son. It's me, Austin. Oh, son of a bitch. What? It's me, Austin. It was me all along, Austin. And you teeth look like two tight too, Billy. And you book a match with me. That's right, Killing. Look at me. I'm a total package. I will rip him apart. I'm pissed now. Where to, Stephanie? <laughs> total. Marks with Dan St. Germain. Welcome everybody to Total F Marks. I'm the king of sad style, the man with the largest calves in the world. I'm here with Andy Hiccups, Sergeant Slaughterhouse, and Zach Attack. Big news in the world of wrestling this week. What stirred out? It just was announced uh, recently, uh, so it didn't make the 10 count, but it looks as though WrestleMania 37 WrestleMania Goes to Hollywood will actually take place in Tampa, Florida, uh, because Governor DeSantis, who really is the Thomas Jefferson of our times, has decided to uh, open up the state completely, and uh, I'm sure Vince McMahon is going to be there. I think like WrestleMania Access Weekend is going to kind of look like one of those World War II tent hospitals in the South Pacific. Uh, <laughs> Robert, we want to send you in a hazmat suit over there to just, you know, ask uh, the Revival or, well, the Revival's not there anymore. What's it called? Uh, the Viking Experience, how they're holding up. Or do you, like, do you think it, my question is, does, does this get to WrestleMania? Does this actually happen? Or do you think that they pulled a plug on this before it goes down? No, this is these are wrestling fans. They're they're going to find at least sixty thousand people who are going to put the opportunity to see the uh, cruiserweight title defended uh, above their own lives and safety. So <laughs> I think they're they're going to pack it. There's going to be a there's going to be a lot of Confederate flags in that crowd. That's all I can tell you. Oh yeah, uh, oh yeah, yeah. The street profits are not going over. That is a hundred percent. That is heel heat for a lot of people. <laughs> Every match is a boneyard match. It's a boneyard crowd. Some people will be buried during the show. It'll it's be- just gonna be. It's gonna be so bizarre. Like my thing is that it could get if Biden gets elected, uh, it could get shut down. Like he could. Like there could be a moratorium on gigantic events like that, right? I mean, no. It's it's gonna be in April. Um, I mean, regardless of what you say, I mean, they, they can still say, hey, it needs to be distance. I mean, I see that possibly happening, you know, um, because what is it? They're, they're saying full attendance is is allowed. Yeah, like the Dolphins games, full attendance. Wow. OK, so I mean, you know, maybe a percentage will change, but no, man, it's going to be fucking April. Uh, to, to be fair. The reason why the Dolphin games aren't fully attended isn't because of COVID. All right, <laughs> it's the fucking Dolphins. Like I, I, I as much as we all want to want to love them, but I think the best promo is going to be the Roman Reigns. There's no fucking way I'm showing up at this stadium promo that he's going to deliver on <laughs> SmackDown. He is going to be an ultimate heel with that crowd. You know, if he bails, oh my god. It's it's insane. It's it's absolutely insane. It's DeSantis trying to get things back to normal. Uh, It's politics and wrestling have continued to merge to a point where it's it's unavoidable. 
uh, Florida is, uh, we are the world scapegoat when it comes to a lot of this shit. But uh, the, the worst part is it looked like, at, you know, at one point they were trying to position this to be Roman against the Rock. And there's no chance in hell Rock showing up in a full stadium full of people in, uh, in Tampa, Florida. You don't think so? I mean, I mean, we are talking about April, though. Like, we don't think there's a chance at all. It depends on what happens coming out of November. I think that's a big part of it right there. Um, there was, you know, there was the, the line in the VP debate of, uh, hey, if uh, we get a vaccine next month, are you going to take it? And Kamala's like, well, if the doctors say so, yes. If Trump says so, no fucking way. Yeah. Uh, that's a direct quote from the uh, yeah. debate if you didn't watch yeah. that. But uh, <laughs> I think that's what it's going to come down to, how controlled life is in April of 2021 and how widespread the vaccine is. If it's you're taking your life in your own hands to go to WrestleMania and there's no mask requirements, then, you know, who's who's going to this? A bunch of people who buy fiend masks. I, I do think if we don't get the rock, we're going to get like some horrible like Governor DeSantis is going to like show up and like beat up Alicia Fox in a Kamala Harris wig, you know, like. Well, that, that's what I'm more concerned about. It's the fact that Trump is touting that he beat the coronavirus in like four days. It was a squash Vince, match. Vince has to be freaking the fuck out of like, well, what can I beat? What can I defeat at WrestleMania <laughs> that's a bigger deal than COVID in four days? And and I, I, I don't know what it is, but I do expect- I'm giving uh, myself HIV six yeah, months before the event. I, I am expecting a, a Vince diagnosis very soon. So oh, we, they, yeah, uh, they, they booked the uh, monkey from Outbreak. <laughs> he fucks his own ass. He's, oh, <laughs> I'm going to fuck the AIDS out of me. I don't know. <laughs> he, can do, he can do whatever he wants. It's a family-friendly show here, guys, as, yeah. as we fuck the AIDS out of Vince. <laughs> oh, shout out, by the way, to- um, uh, Bruce Pritchard and Conrad Thompson for mentioning us on something to wrestle. Thank you guys. Oh, was, thank that, you, was, Bruce. was that thank what you. made you think of it? By the way, we're like family thank friendly. You, yeah, well, Conrad's for... always got like those pictures of action figures and stuff on his Instagram. <laughs> so I guess family friendly. Let's get to the ten count. Number one, <laughs> even bigger news than WrestleMania, guys. The head of Retribution finally revealed it is Mustafa Ali. Who's I guess just. Ali now. I mean, they've. Uh, I'm. I'm. I'm excited. They're giving something to Ali. Um, but they like. They made it like that. Ooh, he's revealed to be the head of the Retribution. But they've never. They never teased like that. There was a head of Retribution. Am I? Am I correct? There was never like. You know, no. like like the Exalted One or the Higher Power. I, I thought. I thought T Bar was the head. Uh, I did too. Turns out it's <laughs> Ali. They're making this up as they're going along. Um, it's great for Ali because he was, you know, he was supposed to be the hacker and then that got dropped and he's been the start and stop of so many different pushes. I think the part of it that's kind of uncomfortable and they're, they, they posted some of this online after of like, this is a storyline because he's a, a proud Muslim American and they're putting him in charge of what's essentially a group that's been terrorizing Raw. And there's a lot of people who've turned this into really hateful rhetoric online. Uh, so oh, this really? is a good, I haven't checked. Yeah, that's that's been an issue. It's been all over with people commenting on it, and it's just it's the weird like, undertones. Like ISIS and that kind of shit. Yeah, because you're you're making someone who's Muslim in charge of a essentially the WWE's version of a terrorist group, yeah. and there's this this kind of groundswell of of 
ugliness around that. Yeah, I, I think I think the idea of it, um, there's racism in it, but I don't think it's that. I think it's a sillier kind of racism where Vince is like, Ali, that's just as dumb of a name as T-Bar and, and Bonesaw or whatever the fuck their names are. <laughs> Bonesaw's pretty cool, actually. Yeah, but one, one of them isn't Bonesaw, right? No, Bonesaw was, the, was Randy Savage in uh, the Spider-Man movie. <laughs> yeah, damn. That that's what we're going. No, one's like slap dick or something. I don't know. Yeah, slap, yeah. slapjack, slapjack, slapjack. Slap I guarantee you, Vince doesn't Ringo. realize that Ali's Muslim. That's why he put him. He just thinks it's funny because Ali's short. He's like, who would listen to a short guy? What a bunch of losers. But I will say, he looked extra short during that. Oh I also God, thought the time so of it was like uncomfortable. The way he like ran out to the uh, ran out of the ring and stared at them and then turned. It, it, it just doesn't work without a crowd. And I know we say it a hundred times since, you know, the pandemic started, but obviously it hurt without a friggin' crowd. And also uh, the hurt business was about to beat his ass. So he should beat them up with retribution. Yeah. This, uh, this goes back to what we talked about before with the problem of retribution and the hurt business feuding is it was kind of like when the NWO would feud with the horsemen and you're getting a heel heel stable thing. And the crowd doesn't really know who to get behind. So now the story of Retribution is Hurt Business have been bullying everybody. Retribution comes out there and evens the odds and saves Ali, who's their leader, who's going after a group of bullies. Yeah, doesn't doesn't confuse. DX and the Nation refuting DX is pretty much full face at that point, right? They yeah, they were they were full face at that point in in I mean full blackface, but they were full face. <laughs> um, well, we're not going to get any better than that, folks. Let's get to number two. <laughs> is Matt Riddle's hair a rib? Why? I don't know if I really, because I know they have to get all their, like, all their gear and all their facial hair and all their hair hairstyles approved backstage. Why is he choosing to be a 10th uh, grade high school girl on a Bahamanian vacation? It is one of, like, I don't understand. This guy's a legit badass. They're making him having, they're making him have competitive matches with Baron Corbin and fucking Jar Jar Binks hairstyle I, I just don't understand what they're doing with this guy it, 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 am i the only one who uh who thinks that he could be utilized a little more scott I, I mean yeah i agree with you but also this is completely his personality this this fits in line with everything else he does as a character uh he is this dude it's it kind of sucks because he is such like a force and he looks so cool but he's kind of a, he, well, not kind of, he is. He's just like a weird bro and not even in like a, not even like a, uh, a Matt Cardona way. I was trying to think of his, of his real name, uh, but just in like a, in a smoking weed way, which I'm cool with usually, but this is unbearable. You know, I'd be okay with it if it was like, if they did, if they, like, if you have fucking braids to me, you're a heel. Like if they did like James Franco, what's that movie? Um, Spring Breakers. Like, yes, Spring Breakers or um, Gary Oldman and True Ram Romance. I think. Uh, yeah. If you wear, if you have like Rasta fucking hair or or Jamaican beads as a white guy, you're a fucking heel. Uh, but it just doesn't work as a face for me. I don't know. See, I yeah, but that's Riddle's like whole thing. Sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say no. It looked like when when like female MMA fighters do their hair up like that when they're getting ready for a fight. So I think part of it's that part of it is Matt Riddle doesn't care, and it, it makes him endearing. Like it's frustrating. You can't get mad at Matt Riddle. 
as much as you want to. When I when I dealt with him in MLW, he would do stupid shit, and we want to get mad at him. He's got this impish kind of like, I know, I'm sorry. Like he's super nice. He's a really such good a nice guy, but like he makes these decisions that are kind of weird. But then there's something kind of endearing about it where like no one else can get away with it. And to some degree it can, except our resident fashionista, Dan St. Germain, wants to cut his fucking head off. That's true. I am the resident fashionista. And Matt, if you want to, if you want to fucking, if you want to go to the top of this business, you got to start reading my fashion blog. Number three. Yeah, you can really tell like Dan's opinion. It's like, it's just Dan is finding it hard to jerk off to Matt Riddle now. <laughs> i've somehow found a way but it it is difficult it is very difficult um you push past the cultural appropriation and you're just like i can make this work (laughs) with his fucking serena williams hair number three twitching it to the streets wwe is uh and i I believe now it's maybe three weeks time is making um the superstars either suspend their cameo accounts and Twitch accounts, or they're taking full control over the accounts, uh, monetizing them and giving uh, the wrestlers a portion of this. Man, this is for me ethically. This is beyond fucked up. Uh, I, you know, especially because they don't have you know money they're making off of the live gate right now. Um, you could you could make the argument that yes, it is WWE's intellectual property in some cases. Uh, of course, like. In the case of like AJ Styles, that's just you know blatantly not true. I mean, maybe legally he signed the rights over, but he got that character over. It's it's like saying you know the Legion of Doom wasn't just you know the Road Warriors. Robert, I want to start with you because you are the lawyer of the pod. Uh, what what do you think of the story? Uh, two questions: Is it ethical uh, and is it legal? So the first part of it is the the ethics piece of it, which we've talked about before, where WWE controls this world and they make their rules and they can determine what they do or don't do with you if you follow their weird edicts. Um, this is what happened to guys like Zack Ryder who decided to try to get over on their own and like we can control that we can squash you. Uh, the legal piece of it for the for Twitch is a little confusing for some of these guys because I don't think that they were using their their WWE names. Uh, they weren't advertising it as you know come do uh, do a Twitch with with Adam Cole of NXT. They're they're allowed to have lives outside of the WWE and they were promoting these these video games or the, these streams, it behooves WWE to have their guys create presences outside of the confines of the WWE because that brings in other fans. You look at what Xavier Woods did with Up, Up, Down, Down. He built a nice little empire there, and there is a whole sect of people who learned about Xavier Woods from that, and then it pulled them into WWE. What they're doing now isn't, isn't protecting their intellectual property. It, it, that, that's, that's not what they're doing here. This is them just being unconscionable. At the next thing they're going to do is if they, you know, if someone writes a birthday card to their kid, WWE is going to make them charge them for an autograph and get a piece of it. <laughs> well, here's my question though. Okay, with Xavier Woods, it, he's been Austin Creed the entire time on YouTube. Right, and I'm sure somebody told him, hey, you should make sure when you're branding yourself, you brand yourself under your real name. And that's why they, they this all goes back. His to, real name is Austin Creed? No, I, I, is it Austin Creed? I have to say that's like way better than Xavier. I Wood. think it is Austin Creed. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that is his real name. Cause he was consequences Creed and, uh, an impact. Um, 
this goes back to the whole thing with The Rock. When The Rock was making movies and he first started uh, venturing out into, into films and he was The Rock, Vince McMahon had to be executive producer or have a producer credit on any of those movies, even if he didn't do anything. And that's why The Rock started shifting over to Dwayne The Rock Johnson and then Dwayne Johnson, because once he stopped calling himself The Rock, Vince didn't have the ability to wrap his tentacles around him. So as these, as these wrestlers try to create this separate identity of I'm so-and-so in real life playing the character of this wrestler, that was trying to establish it. Now with, with Twitch, where they're trying to say it's going to count towards your downside guarantee, the money you're making on it, and we're going to regulate I mean, that it. That is absurd. And like, now you're hearing rumors of people like, well, some people are just not going to sign or they're not going to agree to it. And, and, and we heard that, if they don't agree to it, they could be fired. Uh, do you see that happening? I mean, do you see AJ being done with the company because of this? I don't There's think- no way they're, I'm gonna answer that. There's no way they're gonna do that with AJ because AJ will be on Dynamite the next week and it'll be a huge loss for them. Yeah. Somebody yeah, like yeah. Paige, they could totally fire because she's not wrestling for them and they could look at it like, well, us, us giving her any sort of job is a charity case because she can't wrestle um, and I think she's been one of the people who uh, she was like learning about unionization. That would be pretty badass if she like teamed up with Foley and Nash and you know they, they did something. Uh, guys, in a union sense, not 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 in a prosperous <laughs> way. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I there, there's I think it's just going to be a superstar by superstar basis. They they have they have bent over backwards with AJ. He's going to be going to Raw because he hates Paul Heyman. Look, I don't know that for sure, but. There's no other reason you'd have him job to an Uso, uh, even if it's building to a Hell in a Cell championship match. Um, so I, I really do think that there's just no way they're going to fire AJ over that. I just think it's going to be dependent on who who it is. I think part of this is a fucked up Vince McMahon loyalty test. He's going to see who's going to raise a fit over their Twitch account versus who's going to fall in line. And those guys that either shut down their cameos or, and they hand over their Twitch and they will look, whatever you want, boss, that means you're loyal to Vince. Yeah. If not, and you put up a fight, then he's going to he's gonna bury you and you're going to be on main event for the next six months of your contract. And then you can wind up on Dynamite wrestling on Dark. But if you put up a fight and like tackle wrestle him, uh, he will actually respect you, right? Is this how he works? So- yes, then he'll, then he'll respect you. If yes. he- you legit because i can guarantee when they try to explain to vince okay so twitch is you log online and you watch somebody else play video games he's convinced that's a rib like nobody in there personally i don't understand the appeal of it but to him it's like that's fucking stupid and anybody on my roster that's doing that i i want to weed them out like it's like uh germany in the 30s yeah um (laughs) That's that's the world that uh, that he's in right now, and I think that it's gonna it's gonna prove a lot of loyalty for some of these people in terms of where they they ultimately shake out. But this is the big winner in all this is Andrew Yang. Like Yang started in with these stories of you know a lot of wrestlers are are not content with what's going on here and the independent contractor status, and now Vince is really poking the bear. I think part of this is to try to provoke a fight with Yang and see what he can do. Uh, Yang is, is surprisingly much more lively on on social media than he is in real life. I think he like he like wrote last night. He's like Mike, there's a fly on your head. <laughs> like he was like really. Oh really yeah, Mike cool. Pence has a fly on his head. That's all he Mike wrote. Mike Pence has a fly on his just, head. Yeah, just acknowledging it. <laughs> 
Um, number four, Halloween Havoc is back, baby. Shotzi Blackheart announced it on NXT. I'm fucking pumped. This in I, I thought this I think this is a great idea. If you're gonna do Bash at the Beach, I mean definitely do Halloween Havoc. Um, yeah, I would have I would have you know like if I would have done it on October. I mean if they're they're really going up against AEW, I would have done it this week. You know when they have a year anniversary show, but they're gonna do it at the end of the month. Uh, are you guys excited, Scott? Were you a Halloween Havoc guy? You were more uh, of a WWF guy, so. Yeah, yeah. So my introduction to Halloween Havoc would be like re-watching, well, not re-watching, but watching for the first time years later, mm-hmm. uh, Mysterio versus Guerrero, uh, which is one of my favorite matches. And then, you know, getting the network and seeing that. But really, for years, it was just seeing the set while I rewatched Mysterio and Guerrero because I'd watch it you know, you know, in like between 2002 and 2008, it was just like me buying DVDs and watching them over and over and over again. So I probably have seen that match like a hundred times and uh, that's what it means to me. But that being said, everything I had growing up as a wrestling fan, it was like nostalgia in a really um, down your throat kind of way. So it would be like a DX night or something like that. You know what I right. mean? We got a lot of, I got a lot of shit like that. Uh, and the way they're doing this now, especially with NXT, like the In Your House and now the Halloween Havoc, this is how it always should have been done. Always, always, always. Uh, just name the show it and don't reference it too much. You know, um, this is just going to be an NXT show, but they're going to have Halloween elements to it. The set is going to look cool. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm super into it. Yeah, all it is is a cool, I realize like all it is is a cool set because whenever they try yeah. to do anything Halloween-y, you know, oh, and this is a good time to plug our Patreon. Guys, our next episode is Wrestling Spookiest Moments. If you become a Patreon, uh, I sent I sent uh, Scott, Robert, and Zach w- what we're covering. Some of them are uh, genuinely spooky. So check it out. Become a Patreon member. We're going to record that this weekend. But yeah, all, Halloween Havoc, like, it, it would fall on its face if they ever did, like, the Yete for somebody. But having, like... Like having a giant fucking pumpkin and gravestones just look cool, man. Yeah, it's just fun. It's just a good time. And, and having uh, Shotzi host it makes sense. Have her be like Elvira for a night. And right. uh, yeah, let's just have some good time wrestling. I'm sure people will, you know, especially with NXT, like the references are often in a guy's ring gear, which I like, you know? So you go, oh, that looks like Eddie's gear from his Halloween Havoc match, you know, things like that way more subtle uh and more i don't know respectful and it doesn't come off like a uh, a rate it doesn't come off like oh my god we're gonna get amazing ratings with this i mean if they thought that it would be raw you know raw halloween habit uh they know it's niche is that how you say the word and yeah uh, you, you yeah i'm it. pumped i'm pumped robert so i think my biggest issue with them doing halloween havoc is that it's not sponsored by slim jim and uh <laughs> and if you're a, if you're a patreon patreon member and you're like Robert made that joke during the NXT TakeOver uh, post-show. Fuck you. It takes a lot to come up with this shit, and I'm just recycling it. Um, the man has a family. I've got a family. I've got a job. i got to worry about WWE's Twitch problems, guys. This is them taking back a lot of the WCW intellectual property because Cody's been trying to pick a lot of it off, and they keep arguing to the courts, we own this, we bought it. So they need to make sure that they're showing, look, we're using it. 
And that's that's the point of this. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a cool looking set. They'll do some fun pre-tapes. Uh, Halloween is the reason why WWE got its biggest star of the last 20 years when John Cena dressed up as Vanilla Ice during one of those uh, one of the oh, SmackDown. And that was how they realized, oh shit, this guy's a really talented rapper. We can do something with him. So you never know who's going to capitalize in a weird Halloween way. You know, either that or they're going to dress Dexter Loomis up as the Yeti and have him just go out there, which I'm fine with it either way. But uh, I think the, the, the clever uh, tombstones will be there. It'll be fun to have the graphics and it's something different because Scott and I were talking off air. NXT is very good, but it's very clinical and it's very stale. And they sometimes need to, to liven it up a little bit. And I think the Halloween Havoc theme is going to force them to do that. And yeah, you know it's going to be good. You know it's going to be good as opposed to if it were SmackDown, you know, you'd have like a, a, a lumberjack O'Lantern match or something. That's where, fucking gold. Yeah, the guys on the outside wear pumpkins on their head. Remember Ambrose fought uh, Cesaro, I think, right? And, and he like put a pumpkin on his head and then and then did the double arm DDT. Double dirty deeds. Is yeah. this your low key audition to get on creative? Like, <laughs> just put this out there, like you know, it'd be a really stupid idea. Wink, wink. There was, there was a good. There was like a few years where every single holiday it was like the Shamrock Fight, the Fucking Thanksgiving uh, Turkey Bash. I always hated thank. Yeah, the Thanksgiving ones always made me so angry. It oh, the one where they had to pay off. match. Yeah, well, the gravy matches were pretty high end and classy, but it was like who who threw the pie in Kevin Owens's face was a storyline <laughs> yeah, for six yeah, months. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you you never know. I will say that I kind of dug that just because Kevin Owens like sold it in a way of like he sold it great, but in a way of I can't believe I have to do this angle, and for yeah. some reason that still worked with a pie in your face. Yeah. Number five, 30 Years of Jericho. I don't know if you guys saw AEW Dynamite last night. It was The ending where they did an SNL parody was, was pretty great. Uh, which was Jericho? Great. Uh, what? That was so funny. That was great. I yeah. was, that, was, that was probably the highlight of the show for me. Um, which Jericho uh, is your favorite, Scott? Which is your least favorite? Uh, my favorite Chris Jericho is very recently um, during that feud with Cody up until that feud, the end of what was that, Moxley and him, I guess? Right. Uh, I just thought, I mean, just firing on all cylinders could not fucking fail. A little bit of the bubbly, followed by I have a ticket. It felt like every single week he was free. It was like the first time you legitimately saw him outside of WWE in forever, and he was just having a ball. Every video was fucking hilarious. So that is my favorite Jericho. Also, I loved uh, Ayatollah of Rock and Roll, Jericho. I liked when he would wrestle Benoit. There was always that thing back then where Chris, you know, he he's from, you know, he's trained by the hearts. And so it was like, he's a great wrestler, um, but he was never in the ranks of like an angle Benoit because he's just not as good as them. But he was always kind of there with them. And I, I, I always rooted for him like a, during that time when it was like Benoit, Angle, Jericho. Like that ladder match at the Royal Rumble is one of my favorite ladder matches ever. Yeah, that was awesome. Wow. What's your least favorite Jericho? Least favorite Jericho is, so Save Us, Y2J, I was very into. Uh, and then was that when he returned in silence and walked away? 
That no. was after. That, that was, was great. That was, that was, that was really that, great that was too. But then that got old as well. Um, I think Jericho is his worst when he's trying to be funny in the confines of this is how you're supposed to be funny. If that makes any sense, Robert. Uh, Best Jericho for me was I mean, peak Jericho was Jericho's debut on Raw against The Rock. Uh, the excitement that there was for that, knowing how talented he was in WCW, how creative the stuff he did, like we needed the uh, ring announcing for the Cruiserweight Battle Royal. Uh, that was one of those things where it was like, all right, this is something cool that if I showed my friends that don't like wrestling, they'd be like, hey, this is really funny. His debut against The Rock was was Pete Chris Jericho. He had the audience in the palm of his hands. He delivered huge on it. It was it was massive. Didn't really work out that great for him shortly afterwards. But that that moment that moment that promo right there was like when I think of Jericho, that's what my mind goes to. My least favorite was that 2007 Save Us Return, where he came back with the short hair and like the bedazzled vest and the gun that shot fireworks. It felt pandering in a way that wasn't meant to be like wink, wink, nudge, nudge. It was him genuinely thinking like, all right, I'm coming back as this pure baby face. And it felt recycled. And the nice thing about Jericho is he always feels different when he was doing the the no country for old men version of himself or he was doing the list or whatever it may be he reinvents himself that was the only time where it felt like he was going back to the well and it just didn't work for me yeah i'd say my favorite serious jericho is the no country for old men version when he had the feud with i guess Shawn michaels feud was around was was kind of lapsed over that although he was nothing like shigor in no country for old men so i don't know why he kept referencing that i guess the seriousness even though Shigor is like a comical character. He's got like a like a, a fucking monkey's haircut and a limp. Um, and and also, I'm Scott. I, I want My favorite comedic version is is the is, is the full gear till revolution period. I got yeah, a ticket. It was it was so funny. There is a part. My least favorite version uh, has to be Jericho online now. That's got to be my least favorite version of Chris Jericho. Uh, so probably just Chris Jericho as a guy. <laughs> Maybe my least hey, favorite. I'll, I'll, I'll say this. One, because I have to, I think, uh, legally. And then also because I believe it. When he showed up in New Japan, man, and he was just like scaring the shit out of reporters and like trying to scare fans like like it was like a, like a Stan Hansen days or some shit, yeah, like yeah. where they were they would still laugh at him and he decided he was going to gain weight to appear larger, but he just got sloppier. But then he understood that that's what was happening to him. So he played with that. That shit was so good, man. Those, uh, those backstage promos and all that stuff was, was really fantastic. I thought. I guess the other bad Jericho thing was when he first started doing Fozzie and it was Fozzie Osborne and he was Mongoose McQueen. And it was kind of like a fun side project. It's like, all right, that's, that's kind of neat. When he started taking it seriously and he's like, no, Fozzie's important. And WWE is going to do, you know, video packages about it. And Jericho would be gone for five months at a time because he wants to go to, he wants to go focus on his music it was kind of like that pretentious douchey artist thing that happens a lot. And I feel like we missed some, some quality Jericho time because he wanted to go around the world and play rock star, which ultimately spread COVID to a whole bunch of people. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we could, I could have just said Fozzie. That's my least uh, favorite Jericho. <laughs> Part of me, like when I read Jericho online now and I see like, like Jericho online and Jericho from full gear to revolution, isn't that different? 
No. Like, it's just a little bit more comedic with the full gear one. So maybe part of me is just like, <laughs> after seeing his online presence, like, does he think the funny version is the badass version? Like, is he working himself? The, the part that made me sad when I was watching the Dynamite uh, retrospective, and I think the thing that sums up current Jericho the, the best is that current Dennis Miller is a fan of current Jericho. <laughs> and nothing has broken my heart more than Dennis Miller in the last 15 or so years. And knowing that him and Jericho are pretty well aligned, and then him and Gene Simmons, it's like, well, yeah, this oh, is Gene. this is real life Chris Jericho. He would be insufferable. Uh, yeah, I... It, to echo the um, the uh, Gene Simmons and the Hollywood Republican thing, I was writing for uh, Michelle Wolf when Dennis Miller like announced that he was gonna like rip Michelle Wolf a new asshole or something, and uh, and then he just didn't. He had no jokes at all for it like that Wednesday, and I was like, dude, man, if you're gonna like take a shot at the king, you best not miss. But you know, now I guess Netflix canceled us and. Uh, life canceled dennis miller so everybody's a loser yeah, yeah. number six aew dynamite championship match of the night i mean i don't even know i, I like the will Hobbs brian cage match but clearly it was the dog collar match between Brody lee and cody i i love that match man it just reminded me of like when i was uh when i was uh like a, a kid and i would like go to like see like the pro wrestling illustrated magazines and there would be all these like like that one shot where the chains were on brody's face like that was the cover of like every like pro wrestling illustrated uh, of like guys that i didn't know about it just seemed like it felt like a dangerous match uh, obviously that ftr hybrid match i mean i don't even know what those what those guys are doing they like those hybrid guys just feel like they feel like heels in a will ferrell ice capades movie or something you know <laughs> they don't they don't feel like real wrestler guys i, I don't yeah. know what, what do you guys think scott Okay, well, one, I will agree with you that that tag match wasn't very good, obviously. Um, but I think we also have to acknowledge that FTR has not had an, an amazing match yet since they've been in AEW. And so you, the, the Jurassic Express match was very good, I thought. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, it, it, it was. Um, my, my thing is, like, a, what made FTR great and what is not making them great right now? Um, is it really that idea? And, you know, and Cody, Cody said this once in an interview that caused tension between them, where it was like, was it because in NXT they could practice all their shit, um, you know, over and over and over again, and now they can't? Uh, are there actual tension between them and other guys backstage? And so the planning of the matches isn't working out like it should, but like every one of their matches has been underwhelming. But that being said, I actually like the Will Hobbs Brian Cage match the most. Um, really? Yeah, I thought it was a lot of fun. I liked the ending of it. And the Cody match, while I did love it, again, it was this weird thing, something about Cody where I'm like, why is why are you forcing a like historic why why every match that Cody has feels like he's trying to make history? Like it's I don't know. It, it just comes off empty after a while when every single match feels like it's a big match. And I, I know that sounds so stupid because every match should feel like a big match. But I don't know. It felt rushed or something, something, something about it was like, well, I'm not emotionally invested in this. Um, but again, it has all the parts of this is a classic match. And I think Cody 
is very good at that, but I think it also like reveals the magic trick of what makes a good match sometimes. And when when your time isn't invested in it and when your heart isn't into it, you just see that it's like, oh, this is fake wrestling and this is how you make a great match without any emotion being attached to it. Yeah, I don't, I'm as right. far as like FTR, <laughs> like them not sometimes like kind of shit in the bed, not shit in the bed, but being a little underwhelming at times. Like they're pretty green, right? I mean, they're pretty new as far as, like they're not, they haven't been around as long as everybody thinks they've been around. Like you think like with their gimmick, they've been around for 30 years, but it's just an ode to 30 years ago. Yeah, but I mean, dude, there are people out here that say FTR is the best tag team in the world and mean it. And but, I mean, they're very good. They're very good. Yeah, yeah. And there's things they do that I go, oh, my God, that's the best. I love the way – I like their positioning in the ring. I like the way they tag in and out. I like stuff like that. But then you watch the entire match, and it's like a little sloppy, a little too slow. A, yeah, it's just messy. Robert? All right. So, listener, look at your watch write down the day and time and, and, and clock this because this is the first time that I am going to say that I enjoyed the hell out of a Brian Cage match. Um, yes. This match with him and Will Hobbs was like, it was one of those things I would have seen on a WCW Saturday night and been like, fuck, this is, this is really good for what it is. This was old school, two jacked up dudes having a solid match. It told a good story. Taz on commentary made it infinitely better. Taz makes a lot better when he's on TV and AEW. Yeah, I, I like that match quite a bit. Um, the FTR match was problematic in that they are opponent specific. They are the best tag team of 1989. They, they wrestle exactly the same way Arn and Tully did, which is fine, except they wrestle the exact same way Arn and Tully did, which for a 2020 <laughs> audience doesn't always work. And FTR's best matches were when they had opponents that brought the best out of them. You can't just put them in there with Angelico and Jack Evans and hope this is going to be great because those guys are kind of wacky and sloppy. I think that when they're in there with best friends, I think best friends are going to elevate FTR as opposed to the other way around. Uh, the Cody Brody Lee match was, it was awesome in a lot of ways. I'm glad they brought, uh, Greg Valentine had a mothballs. I don't know that he knows he was there, but it was cool to see him. Greg Valentine. Uh, what did I say? Rick. Rick. Who's Rick Valentine? Well, they brought Rick Valentine and Greg Valentine. Um, the strange thing was the finish. I, I, I wanted to shit on Greg Valentine, but he did seem to be watching the match, or they just got perfect coverage. I was, was petrified. Remember Tyson yawning? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was so afraid he was going to fall asleep. I'm 40% certain that was a still image of Greg Valentine. I mean, just kept cutting back to it and no one knew otherwise. The, the finish kind of bugged me a little bit because I, I thought the match was really good, but it's like back to the conversation we talked about before of is Cody becoming Triple H? Brody Lee was the best thing about Dark Order. Him beating Cody and his run with the TNT title has been compelling, and Cody beat him clean, and now Brody Lee is gone. And it felt like a very Triple H moment of – I have to get in there and get my win. And now the guy that I just beat is worse off because of it. Uh, his post-match promo of y'all thought I was going to be a heel. Nah, just kidding. I'm a baby face and I love you all. He's trying, he's trying really hard and it's admirable. And I think the match was really good, but Scott, to your point, something about it feels artificial. It feels some, it just feels weird. Like you can just see there's a lot of effort going on there as opposed to this feeling effortless and natural. Yeah. He's, he's very aware of, of professional wrestling. 
and it kind of hurts it. It's like a guy who's real, you know, he's good at music, but he's like acknowledging the notes too much. And, and, and he's talking about, you know, it, 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 I don't know. It's just, it's just, eh. it bugs me. Cause these matches could be awesome. If he just like fell back a little bit. Also a weird decision that he wins the title. He now has the audience back on his side. And the first person you're putting him in there with is orange Cassidy. Yeah. And also you, you aren't gone long enough for you to even win the title in a way that's like, Oh, thank God you finally won the title back. It's like you, you were gone for three weeks and you fucking return and win your title back immediately. I mean, that's like an absolute placeholder and it's like undeniable. I mean, at least stretch Brody's reign a little longer. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I mean, like he's really, I think he's got to lose to orange Cassidy this week to protect their investment. I think that's what happens. I, I, and I, I think that's what it's about. I think it's, Orange beats him and Brody beat the shit out of Orange in their match a few weeks ago. So you have that kind of coverage. Yeah. But it's yeah. tough because there's a lot of guys in flux right now. Because if you have Cody lose to Orange Cassidy and then it's like, where does he go from there? Kenny Omega's clearly teasing this uh, kind of like douchey heel thing. The young bucks are, are shades of gray. Adam Page is depressed. Like, it's just very weird that there's so many characters that are in motion at once. You need certain characters anchored. And they have way too many people that are going through these transitions that it's going to be tough for the audience to really latch on when something like that happens. Yeah, but if, if they don't, if they, they really need to protect Orange Cassidy. He had a big win over Jericho, and he's probably their top merchandise seller. I, I mean, I don't have the figures, but oh, he, I, oh, he is. Yeah. Even yeah, on pro wrestling tees, which we have a t-shirt uh, type into a yes, wrestling tees. We got to get our t-shirts. So. But even on pro wrestling tees, it's like, you know, animal dies and he's the number two t-shirt while orange Cassidy's still number one, you know? So he's kind of untouchable right now when it comes to merch sales. Yeah. But that stuff, go, that stuff goes away, you know, like if they don't protect that, that goes away. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think he wins the title. I don't think he's going to win the title. I think that they're going to have the match that you're going to realize you can't have either one win. So you're going to have Dark Order come out and beat the shit out of both guys. And then they unite to try to fight off Brody trying to get back some of his heat. Otherwise, Dark Order has got to be, you got to put a bullet in it. It's got to be done. Uh, also, let's acknowledge the whole uh, weenie talk from the best friends to FTR. That was absolute fucking dog shit. Um, yeah, also, the Bucks, the Bucks. I, I, I texted uh, Dan last night this. They are like DX in 09. Was that the, like, where it's like, you're just doing hokey, shitty jokes. We, we know you're Christian. Like, it's, it's, it's like, it's like Shawn Michaels refusing to do suck it, you know, but he's still trying to be um, edgy and cool. I, I think it's such a fail. This is the shit that FTR left WWE to get away from. Like, this is what the Usos were doing to them. Yeah. And they're yeah. like, we want to be taken seriously. So now we're going to go here and, you're you're in this uh this kind of storyline and it's it's too cute by half um yeah i i i definitely thought that weenie thing was was very bizarre but so bad i don't know man i i also think like there's like a certain type of like i'm a huge i'm a big AEW fan i'm, I'm just a big pro wrestling fan in general i'm a wwe fan i love new japan uh but there is a certain type like every brand has their certain type of annoying fan and for AEW, that annoying fan is, um, I can only describe it as this, is I did, when I, when I did um, 
uh, Ron Funch's show at the Vegas uh, Double or Nothing, there was a guy who came af- came up after me and he goes, man, that was really hilarious, but I didn't like these two things. And he told me those two things without me asking. And I'm like, oh, that's AEW fan. Like they are, they're completely entitled to just like, 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 it's like, it's like nerd patrol, man. They're like able to like tell you exactly what they, so this weenies thing, I think that that's like cool for guys like that. Cause it's like half ironic, but half not ironic. I don't know. Well, good on yeah. them. They're, they're selling the shirt on uh, pro wrestling tees. So hopefully uh, Trent is, uh, is making some money on it. Plus you can save 20% on that shirt or the total F and Mark shirt by using promo code fall through this Saturday. Yes, we don't have a weenie shirt, but if you buy enough of them, I will show you my wiener, and it is it is pretty mangled, so uh, maybe I won't. Um, that is horrifying. That is it's kind of a creepy thing for me to say. Um, I am pulling up the ten can again because I was going are- for the segue to the next topic with that's horrifying, and then that's horrifying. That's good because I I lost it. Speaking of horrifying, the Fiend and Alexa Bliss are officially an item. They, they finally, they finally fucking, they, they, they did it, man. They, they, what a they, masterpiece. What, what a, a masterpiece. Macho and Elizabeth, Fiend it's and Alexa. Like, it's almost like the Fiend hasn't sucked this entire time. <laughs> I will say this, man. I do think it's a good move for them, and I think it was done pretty well. If you're going to have somebody in that segment, like, get it over in a legit way, Kevin Owens is, is the guy to do it. And I, I think the KO show has gotten better. Like the KO show is better when he has less to do on the main roster because it just seems like a guy who's like frustrated airing his grievances. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm kind of into it, man. But I like the soap opera shit. I'm into the Dominic Mysterio, Aaliyah, Buddy Murphy oh, I, shit. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Uh, but yeah, I, 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 this whole Harley Quinn thing. All right, guys, rip me a new asshole. Why do you hate it? Scott? It's just fucking trash, man. It's it's not good TV in general. Like, wh- where else would that be enjoyable? Nowhere. A- a- at least the Mysterio thing, it it does feel like something else that would be on TV that you'd go, oh, yeah, there's drama in this. But, like, where does this exist besides fucking fan fiction? Uh, it's just loser shit. It's, like, extra, extra loser shit. And I, I can't get over it, man. I have a buddy who texts me constantly he like bought the the fiend action figure. He thinks it's amazing. You have and the it's mask. Like, you buy the five hundred dollar mask. No, no, no. But if he had the money, he would. You know, even if he had just six. Uh, how much is the mask? I think it was like five hundred dollars at one. Yeah, point. if he had five fifty in his account, he would buy it. And, and and um, I don't know, man. I can't get into it. Please, like, someone message me and and explain to me how the fiend is at all. Uh, good He's terrible in the ring but it's a great character it's still a good character and it sold a lot of merch for him i i think the bray wyatt um mr rogers character works i think having him be sadistic uh one minute works but just the fiend and what he does and what he does in a ring uh it's trash this is like also rushed i mean uh, unless I'm, I'm misremembering things but it's like when has like a dominant force only been dominant for a year until they have a love interest? Like this is something you do four years down the line when you run out of shit for this guy to do. Well, I, no, that's a good point. Let's, 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 let's actually think like when Kane did the thing with, um, who was Xbox girlfriend? Tori? Tori. Tori. That was, that was only a year and a half later, I think. Cause he was, well, like he showed up at bad blood, which was like, 
October 97. And then he was probably doing the Tory thing by either late 98, early 99. Yeah, I don't know, man. People are into loser shit and they like bad music. <laughs> no, really. This like it ties in with like there's definitely like certain bands that they like that and it, it makes them feel this way. It's just too, it's too shit for me. I don't like it. It's really, they really do. bad. I mean, they do, like, they do have a contingent of fans who personally relate to The Fiend. Yeah, dude, it's are, like just dumb guy, loser shit. It, it's just really fucking lame, man. It's really it's just lame. Real, it's like Slipknot, let's drink a fucking uh, bang energy drink in the parking lot of a Walmart and then shoot a possum. Yeah. Uh, and this is like, you know, the closest thing they have to poetry. I just cut a real fucking heel promo. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I still think it's, you know, like whatever. My, my only, my only concern is I feel like you need to get like around the clock security on Alexa bliss now, because all these fans seeing the fiend fuck around with her, they're going to think they have a shot. And I mean, she's going to get murdered if they don't do it. I mean, if Sony Deville was in trouble, Jesus Christ, Alexa, they need to like fucking, they need to have like permanent security. Robert, what do you think of the fiend and Alexa bliss getting together? How hard did you get? Scott, you ignorant slut. This is the greatest thing to happen to the Fiend character possible. Um, look, the, the narrative with the Fiend has been everyone that he has faced has changed. Death Rollins wrestled him and now he's no longer over. Um, pretty much anybody <laughs> else he's been with, they've, they've altered in some way, shape or form. Alexa Bliss's transformation here has been fucking masterful. The moment when when Kevin Owens looks at her and goes, he's here, right? And she smiles and she's like, he's everywhere. Was so fucking creepy and great. And she's going to be the break the breakthrough for this because what's going to ultimately wind up happening is she's going to be able to take this and this is now Alexa Bliss's thing. Oh, great. She, Female reboot of The Fiend. That's what <laughs> <laughs> you gotta you gotta see the bigger picture here now they're taking the fiend yeah this is gonna be the ladies read but she is the leslie jones of this angle no, she's genuinely good with this and it's gonna give her a more interesting character and i think her is this kind of possessed but you know witchy whatever she is the reason why this happened is and we watched that god-awful swamp fight and the only good 11 seconds of that entire swamp fight was when she popped up out of nowhere or the, the, the image of her in Braun Strowman's self, you know, is in his subconscious memory. And they were like, oh shit, this looks really cool. And now that's what we're getting. And I think she's going to be able to develop a character out of this and Bray will move on to, to something else. And, uh, those, those Slipknot fans will, uh, they're still going to fucking watch. What else are they doing on a well, Friday? It's, all, it's also like, well, where, where do you go with this? Because The Fiend does not need help, right? I mean, literally, you can't do a move to him. This is one of the reasons he sucks. So she's not going to help him win. Um, so then eventually, what? She's going to accidentally make him lose? And then we got to watch that? Yeah, she's going to drain him of his powers, and, she, and he's going to be subservient to her. Damn, man. All right. Well, have fun with that, everybody. I can't even articulate why I hate it so much. From that answer. <laughs> I, what'd you say, Dan? I missed it. I think we just found out Robert likes cuck porn from that answer. <laughs> that, that's that's what we're going for here. WWE Network cuck porn, um, which they'll still figure out a way to botch, and Vince is going to take 30% of it. I just hope life doesn't imitate art and Bray Wyatt and, you know, ends up leaving his second family, and then it ends up 
in 10 years with Alexa Bliss dead from painkillers in a motel room with Lex Luger. Let's just... <laughs> what? What? I'm just trying to play the tape forward. I'm playing the tape forward. First of all, diabetes is going to get him way before any I, drugs he's I taking. will say this. If he becomes a cut character, I will be so happy because all these dudes who bought fiend masks now just have like cuck masks which is what you they're not using that already for- <laughs> i don't know man i think they're i think they're demented <laughs> all they're right gonna still wear them at juggalo events anyway and no one's gonna know the difference <laughs> that's who the, that's where this appeals to these are the that's people true. drinking fago yeah so if now we have a juggalette good all right since i just tortured scott with our last topic it's time to check in with him for new japan corner ding ding dan i know you've been watching the g1 uh it's been excellent yeah it's kind of ruining the rest of wrestling right goto beat hashi what the fuck (laughs) a little bit it's there's certain matches well here's what's ruining it for me is that I am, I'm only watching the matches that are like really well-reviewed. So I'm watching like Osprey and Suzuki. I'm watching, yes. you know, Ishii and Su- Suzuki. I mean, Ishii and, well, Suzuki, but Ishii and Osprey and, you know, Abushi and- And Shingo. And, and Shingo. Like I'm watching all of those matches. And yes, it, as far as in ring, I mean, nothing really compares to it. But, you know, I like both things, man. I like stuff like that. And I also like a stadium stampede match. So, oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. I can still enjoy, you know, both, both. Yeah. But, um, damn it. I, I just lost my, my train of thought. But, oh, the, the thing about, you know, you're saying, oh, I'm only watching these matches that are getting rave reviews. These shows are only about two hours long, a little over two hours. They're super short, super tight. And every match is really good to unbelievable. Uh, but here's some more New Japan news. They just announced that from November 15th to December 11th, um, they are going to now combine. They're going to do the Best of the Super Juniors tournament uh, and the um, World Tag League uh, tournament uh, on the same shows. So we're going to get all those shows uh, from November 15th to December 11th. And then obviously that, it's just really New Year's Dash which just leads up to Wrestle Kingdom. So we are like done for the year. We're fucking winding down. And also, I don't know if you guys noticed, but Tanahashi That's was on the a- big news, baby. Yeah, he was on AEW last night uh, congratulating uh, Chris Jericho on 30 years. Also, uh, commentary uh, acknowledged New Japan. They said New Japan Pro Wrestling a few times. Um, Lance Archer acknowledged his match with John Moxley. In New Japan, they showed pictures from it. Um, Omega acknowledged uh, tournaments that he's been in, uh, obviously acknowledging the G1. Uh, this is the most that they, I mean, this is the only time they've acknowledged New Japan in any real way. And, you know, it just so happens that uh, Harold Mage, or however you say his name, is, again, he's gone. He's leaving. Uh, he's no longer the president of New Japan. So it does seem like he might have been the issue between an AEW New Japan working relationship. And even if it's not happening yet, it's obvious that AEW is open to it. And this is them kind of saying, all right, let's, uh, let's start talking. Yeah. I hope so, man. Uh, that would be huge. Restrictions. Yeah, that'd be huge. Robert, you'll be happy to know there's a lot of dick to go interference. Oh God, man. Yeah. That, that is one thing that is, is very bad. They're not, it's crazy that like, cause the, I've only been watching New Japan for probably four years, if that, three and a half, four years. 
and there were never interferences, uh, never cheating on this level. And now this evil Dick Togo thing, it's like, they don't even know how to do it well. So it's just like, it's the worst. I mean, it's like, it's the way raw matches in. That's what it feels like when I watch an evil match. I go, oh, this is a raw match. Look, I'm I can, I can tolerate you rattling on about New Japan, but when you <laughs> badmouth fucking Dick Togo, <laughs> you have crossed a line. It, it really, it, every time I see a match with Dick Togo, which it's an evil match, uh, I just go, oh, this is a Raw. This is an episode of Raw, and it's really terrible. He's dating Io Shirai, right? Like, he knows what good yeah. wrestling is. He's dating well, he's good. He's good. He's good at wrestling. He's had, he's had some great. Man, I, I don't think he, I don't think he's amazing, but he's he can have a he can have a good match. I don't know, man. I really haven't like that Naito. The last match they had outside was all right, but I I just don't. Yeah, I, don't. I mean he he hasn't had a he hasn't had a great match yet in the G one, and everybody else has. Everybody's had uh, their shot at a great match besides him. So. What's the advantage of AEW having a strong relationship with New Japan? I feel like any company that gets entangled with New Japan, uh, when, when Ring of Honor did, everything gets kind of muddied, and it never seems to make, uh, make anybody look really great coming out of it. I understand that Jericho and, and uh, Moxley and Archer have their separate relationships with New Japan now, but I feel like you're, you, you, AEW is going to lose more than they're going to win when it comes to having a partnership with, with New Japan. Uh, I, I think it's good for hardcore fans. And also I think like when it was new Japan ring of honor, it was never storyline based. It would just be like, uh, what, what would they, it was like battle of the world, whatever the hell they would do. Yeah. Like we're, we're, yeah. Oh, they're here. And now, so it's new Japan guys versus ring of honor guys. I think this relationship needs to be legitimately like the kind of the way these AEW guys go over to new Japan, where it's like Chris Jericho shows up. And now he is in a storyline for the next few months. You know, Moxley well, shows up. Now he is in a storyline for a little. So while. then he's off dynamite for for a period of time, or um, you're in like an alternate world where he's got two different storylines and two different shows. I think the hardcore fans are going to watch AEW no matter what. They're going to watch New Japan no matter what. You're not bringing in any new fans. You're you're Robert, not you building compare, your. You can't compare Ring of Honor New Japan's partnership because every time ring of honor has been on the precipice of doing something awesome to get them to the next level they've always fumbled the ball you know oh, whether yeah. it's like hiring jim Cornette or that bullshit with enzo and Cass a couple weeks ago i do think you're gonna see a lot like you robert you had brought up the fact that wwe doesn't really have a farm system i mean AEW doesn't have a farm system like wwe has nxt and, and they have the performance center how beneficial would will hobbs you know going to new japan and participating in a couple matches, like he's going to come back a way better wrestler, way more confident. I, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of upsides for a New Japan AEW relationship. I think they can they can form AEW can form that with any entity. I think the problem is with New Japan when you try to bring some of the big stars of New Japan over, you're going to spend so much time trying to educate the audience as to here's why Tanahashi is important that you're taking away from your actual talent that you're building. And they're already running into a problem in AEW where anytime they bring in someone from WWE, that guy gets elevated above their supposed homegrown talent. And now they're going to be competing with screen time with New Japan guys who aren't going to be there full time. It, it what, just. What if you do a shorter program like when ECW used to invade WWF before the invasion angle? You know, like you have like one offs like that. Right. But you're not flying from, from Tokyo to Jacksonville. That's right. that's a bigger that's a, it's a much more taxing thing. 
And I think with the ECW WWE thing, it was like Jerry Lawler showed up in an ECW show and people went fucking nuts. I don't know that New, New Japan's going to be completely upended if Jake Hager shows up. Yeah. <laughs> also, what, what if this is just for the boys and it's not about ratings and it's not about who's going to, it's just Kenny likes working New Japan. Uh, the Bucks like working, you know, like it, it, if, if it's just legitimately, I know I can have some classic matches and my legacy will be more cemented if we have this relationship. And these guys are, are you know, EVPs or whatever that actually even means. So when uh, the boys are in control and you do what they want, that worked out well for WCW. So oh, no, no. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not saying it's, it's going to work out great, no. but. Robert, you're comparing fucking apples and pomegranates. <laughs> of course I am. <laughs> Here's but it's so easy. But like, yeah, you know, you, the young buck, like the young. First off, like Scott is in darkness on the Zoom right now. I, I imagine he's just putting shotgun shells. Uh, <laughs> it's like a Creed album cover going on over there on your. This side. merge is gonna rule. It's gonna be so good. Yeah, I'm just I'm pumped about it, and also like from a business perspective, young bucks got huge while they were in New Japan for American audiences. Dude. So people people correlate Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. Uh, with AW, could it f- fall on its face and flop? Absolutely. You know, it, it, history has has shown that that's uh, the more likely scenario with all the invasion angles that have happened. But I mean, Dude, you have fucking get super you have, excited. Absolutely, you have Omega win the title at Revolution in February, right? That's in February. So then, think was it January, February? Ah, I thought it was like the first week of February. So you have that, right? He wins the title. He's unstoppable until like the summer. Just, I mean, unstoppable in a way where Tony Khan is like, this man has taken over the company and he's murdering everybody. We need somebody to stop him. And you bring in a fucking Okada or you bring in a Bushi to try to, well, where, you know, where have you gone? You know, remember who you, oh, dude, it's so good. I'm so pumped. Shut up, guys. You guys are dumb. So now you're auditioning for, for a job in WWE as a writer, and you want to take over AEW Whatever. to book this. That's fine. You're going to single-handedly run uh, wrestling. I mean, look, a light. No, look, I know there's no Alexa Bliss element, but we could <laughs> hire somebody to, you know, stare into a camera. If if Dick Togo starts brainwashing people, then, this is, <laughs> then, I'm, fucking, then I'm all in. Then I'm behind it. And, is and, evil like, here, and it's just Dick Togo? He's here. He's everywhere. <laughs> Dick but, is know, everywhere. An accent, an accent. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, let's let's move on to something more serious. Number nine, Rusev's soft dick. Is this storyline any worse than what he's doing now? Rusev apparently uh, got a lot of some heat because he brought up an erectile dysfunction storyline that WWE had pitched for him. Look, I mean, I just don't think that like that's any worse than him playing videos with video games with fucking Kip Sabian and, and the erectile dysfunction thing. It's like, yeah, that's wacky. But for me, like watching the train wreck of the Bobby Lashley Lana love triangle was was way more entertaining than any of the stuff he's done with Kip Sabian. What, what do you think, Robert? It's it's something that would have endeared him to Vince McMahon. And in Vince's mind, the, the reason why he would have pitched something like this is, well, this guy's got this beautiful woman. What would be really funny is if his dick stops working and then he's going to be all angry about it and he's going to make him a, a more aggressive wrestler. And then the audience is going to be sympathetic to his plight. And then when he does finally get an erection and he properly fucks his wife, the audience is going to be behind him and he's going to be a baby face. 
And that is honestly how Vince McMahon probably thought this would have gone. And Rusev would have probably got a bigger push off of this than any of the other shit that he wound up doing. I, I, I think comes in on WrestleMania instead of coming in on the tank, he just comes in on a giant blue chew. <laughs> oh, see, it, this is this is so much better than anything they would have had otherwise. I think when Rusev would have finally gotten his uh, his his pep in his step again, you would have had a, a happier, more vicious Rusev, and he would have won a uh, he would have won a title and be like, I can't even put the belt on my right now because my dick is so hard. Skit, Scott, what if you were pushing angle as a wrestler? Okay, you were either uh, a video game uh, like buddy with Kip Sabian, or you've got a soft dick. Which which one do you think you could get get over? I, I think the problem is is both screen soft dick. You know, like it's, <laughs> it's kind of the same storyline. Like it's all the same, but one ends with him eventually getting an erection, and one doesn't. Right. Uh, yeah, it, it is, dude. It's it, it is so hard to shit on WWE uh, when it comes to someone like Rusev right now, where this is not working. It's not. It it kind of sucks. Uh, so yeah, the the that 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 erectile dysfunction storyline doesn't sound so bad to me now. Uh, number ten draft preview. We start the draft this Friday night. Zach, who do you want to see go where? Oh, uh, let's see The Fiend uh, on both shows. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we'll close it with Retribution on both sides. Forget about everybody else. <laughs> Robert, who do you want to see where? So it's funny because three of these four guys came up in the show. Um, I would move AJ and Riddle to Raw because I think AJ – as a fresh heel going against Drew McIntyre is exactly what Drew needs. I think Riddle is lost in the shuffle on SmackDown and him just wrestling Baron Corbin for six months is a waste of time. I think Riddle on Raw feuding with the Hurt Business would be a hell of a lot of fun. Him and Lashley will have some great fucking matches. Yeah. And then on SmackDown side, Kevin Owens, who just has nothing else to do, he, can, he would be a great foil for a guy for Roman Reigns to beat. I think the promos would be good. You can elevate Owens for a month. And then the other guy I would move over is Keith Lee. I think Keith Lee and Roman Reigns has got to be their backup for WrestleMania if they don't get The Rock. And they could probably build Keith Lee as a monster on SmackDown and have him against Roman Reigns and that be a, a true main event WrestleMania match. Yeah, yeah I, I, I agree with all those, Scott. I think AJ is absolutely going to happen, um, which – very good. Uh, I would love to see Riddle on Raw. I would love to see Keith Lee on SmackDown. Um, I keep thinking that Dominic or Ray is going to be moved to SmackDown. I think separating them, I, I know we're in the middle of this storyline, but it is also a storyline that could bleed over onto both shows. I think it works. I think it works well. Um, I'd like to see Dominic go to SmackDown and kind of be on his own. Um, I, I'm going to, uh, I, I don't know, man. I really like the love triangle thing they're doing with Buddy Murphy. Um, so I, I wouldn't pull the, tr that's the problem is there's a lot of, there's actually a lot of active storylines, you know, whether you have the, where you have the bloodline over in SmackDown, you have the, well, I guess there's the, the Rey Mysterio, uh, Seth Rollins ongoing feud that's been happening since, after I think Money in the Bank, it's been happening for a long time. 
if Randy Orton doesn't win at Hell in a Cell, which I, I think that he's going to win, but if he doesn't win, him doing an NXT run would be phenomenal. I would love him for sure. Just burying everybody at NXT. Well, I, I think Owen should go to NXT that way. Whoever takes out Randy Orton, you can't do it with Baron Corbin. I'm sure they'll want to do that. Is have Baron Corbin because Baron Corbin actually sucks. Like so, you're not going to get the you're not going to get the result that you want. And, but if you put the title on Randy, then ah, I wasn't say you have Otis go go over Randy. But now I'm kind of like, I mean, what's a better way to put Roman over than healed and like just destroying Otis when Otis cashes in? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I yeah. also think Sasha or Bailey is going to Raw. Um, I think Sasha it's- Sasha needs to go to Raw. Absolutely. Yeah. Sasha going to Raw makes sense. My biggest fear is them moving Corbin or Sheamus over to Raw to feud with McIntyre. That would kill Drew dead. But they can see both of those guys as, oh, we can rehabilitate them on Raw. They're big. It'll be a, it'll be a great feud. And I'm, I'm genuinely concerned with Drew's viability going forward based on what they do with the, with the draft. I don't think you need the draft. No, never, year. never. No. I think they, you know, they did it to, to line things up for, for Fox there's way too much. Uh, there's way too much politics going on because if you make SmackDown weaker, you piss off Fox. If you make USA weaker, you piss off WWE. The only guy they definitely have to move is Miz because the show is coming back on USA Network. Oh, so okay. Yeah. You got to be able to promote him on USA. So that means you could move him and Morrison, and those guys are entertaining enough to fill a segment or two on a three-hour show. You don't need them on SmackDown. Uh, NXT is in serious trouble losing Ridge Holland because I feel like he was factored in in a pretty big way. And then he suffered the, the sit injury is what I'm hearing from, uh, on NXT. Oh, yeah. Did you see it? It was nasty. It was brutal. Um, was nasty. him being carted off like that. And I feel like they were building up to a payoff there that they don't have. So now they've lost carrying cross that they were building up. They've lost Ridge Holland. Uh, they, they're, they're, trying to you know make the most out of what they have and i think moving maybe a kevin o moving somebody from the main roster to nxt would be uh would, would be interesting. over at nxt i would love owens over at nxt i i don't i don't see what people see in ridge holland yet I'm, i definitely think i could be proven wrong like I, he's not somebody he does not have turn off the tv vibes at all i just not i'm just not there with him yet uh but you're right I, as far as the draft we've been seeing you know that what, what was the 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 uh, the wild card rule? They had that that kind of yeah, watered man. it down, and then like a couple weeks ago, they had Cesaro and Shinsuke fight the Street Profits. Yeah, out of nowhere. So I'm like, and now not- Braun Strowman can just show up whenever he wants and mm-hmm. wear right. a shirt. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's 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 a little bit. It doesn't seem like it's totally necessary. Yeah, but- one thing is certain: within a month of the draft, uh, somebody from Raw will be on SmackDown uh, unexplained. And it's probably going to be the big show. And they're going to think we give a shit, and we definitely don't. They, they moved too many people over recently. It's like Raw got Mandy, Raw got Bobby Roode you know, on there. You have Retribute. Like, there's, there's momentum behind the guys they have, and they've brought in some new faces. 
I, I think that you're you're not freshening up the product by doing the draft. You're just potentially ruining some of the good things that they're actually doing. Yeah, I, I do think drafting Ali away from retribution immediately would be the funniest thing in the world. Just like, <laughs> yeah, that's not, that's just what's happening. And he's just like, shit. Or you do, you do uh, Zach's idea. You have T-Bar on one show, Slapjack on one show. Well, I mean, I think t bar You have like NWO, like red and black retribution, black and white retribution. Well, T-Bar is Dominic, right? Dijakovic? Yeah, Dominic Dijakovic. Yeah, so I would actually like to see him be away from everybody. I think he could be on his own. If it's just him on Twitter, keep the mask, fuck it. And stay T-Bar. Do you think they changed the name because of Dominic Mysterio? Um, no, I don't think, I don't think so. I think that they wanted to do this idea. I, I thought, I heard through Grapevine that it was going to be Prince Mysterio, which is so much cooler. Yeah, that, that is a cool name for him, but, uh, they figure out a way to, to ruin a lot of these things. Yeah. <laughs> so now he's just Dominic Mysterio and Aaliyah Mysterio and, you know, Ray's wife. <laughs> well, let's ruin your weekend when you become a Patreon member. We got a bunch of episodes uh, up there, some real fun stuff. We're going to have uh, our spooky Halloween episode this week. Week after that, we're going to do Best of Hell in a Cell. And then week after that, we are reviewing Hell in a Cell. So a lot of fun shows, one after another. Uh, as we mentioned before, we have our shirt on Pro Wrestling Tees. You can follow me on Instagram, Dan St. Germain. I'm going to have a lot of stand-up videos uh, coming out on there. And I got some new Comedy Central stuff that just came out up there. I'm going to be doing some shows in New York in a couple weeks. First time I've done shows since March. If, there we go. If, if, if it happens, I don't. I don't know. There could be a COVID outbreak, and Lord knows if there is. Please do not. Uh, do not get COVID seeing me test out new material. Uh, <laughs> please rate uh, I, iTunes our, our podcast five stars on iTunes. Tell your friends about it. Uh, spread the word. Leave a review. Thank you guys. You're the best, Scott. Listen to my other podcast, Garbage Days. It drops every Tuesday with comedian brennan sagalow uh and yeah go on patreon uh subscribe we have fun come have fun with us robert you can follow me on twitter at ww creative underscore ish and i was reminded when we were talking about that uh rusev limp dick storyline that uh <laughs> the the big dick storyline that was given to uh, lance storm made me realize it's lance's 30th anniversary in the business he started with jericho so uh happy 30th oh, anniversary lance storm Hell yeah, Lance Storm, one of the greats. I love Lance, Lance Storm. Do our show, Lance. Do our show. Fucking You're great on Twitter, dude. Yeah, man. We'll get you over. <laughs> <laughs> and Zach, wash your goddamn hands. Wash your goddamn hands. We'll see y'all next week. Adios. <laughs>